G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a staggering thing that Jesus actually entrusted to a handful of disciples the task of ensuring that the gospel will be taken to all the nations of the earth. But it was clearly no pipe dream. He also fully expected this work to be carried out, stating that his second coming would only take place when the gospel had been preached amongst all the nations. In fact, the book of Revelation envisages a time when people who have been converted to Christ will come from all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues, surrounding the throne of God and giving glory to Him and to the Lamb for their salvation. There is a well-known story of an infamous criminal named Charles Peace who lived in England many years ago, being led to the gallows to be executed. He was followed by a priest who read several gospel verses promising forgiveness of sins and eternal life to those who believe the gospel. Peace turned to the priest and asked, Do you believe these words? Do you really believe them? He went on to say, If I believe those words to be true, I would crawl all over England on broken glass to proclaim them to this nation. Well, thankfully, we don't need to crawl on broken glass across our nation or even across the street to proclaim the gospel. We just need to be available to God to share with those He leads us to. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thank you for joining us. This week we're looking at sharing the gospel. It's Phil here. And yesterday Ken talked about how important evangelism is and that we don't make the mistake of doing it out of legalism or even zeal alone. And Ken said that our passion must arise from God's compassion which works in us. And then he went on to speak about how we'll really only experience compassion for people by being with them. Now, Ken, there's always a danger of becoming isolated or disconnected from people in the world, isn't there? Yes. In fact, when you look at evangelism in the New Testament, we discover this thing called the oikos principle. In fact, the oikos principle was one of the main causes for the rapid rate of growth in the early church. Now, you're probably going to ask me, well, what's the oikos principle? Is it like the OU principle? <laughs> no? <laughs> the OU, is that? That's an Australian one. But anyway. Okay, yeah. The word oikos is the New Testament Greek word for household. Now, the household in New Testament times included not only immediate family, but servants, servants' families, friends, business associates, etc. So it was one's close or immediate circle of contacts. Okay. So those with whom we come into contact on a regular basis at a fairly close level. You take the, the top sort of 10 or 12 people that you're closest to on a regular basis. That would be your oikos. It would include relatives, friends, neighbors, associates, and work friends. So, for example, we see that Peter came to Christ as a result of someone in his oikos. You know, we're told that Andrew, his brother, first found his brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah. And as a result, Peter came to the Lord. Nathaniel was another one that was brought to Christ through his friend Philip. And then the oikos principle was in full operation in the ministry of Jesus. After Matthew came to Christ, the next thing we read is that Matthew's thrown a party with all his tax collector friends and Jesus is there witnessing to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, many of them followed him and came to the Lord and so on. But maybe one of the most uh, incredible testimonies of this, I, I've, I find, and I always have to chuckle every time I read it in, in the scripture, is this man 
uh, that had legion. You remember the guy that had so many demons in him that were standing yes. room only, you know? Yeah. And uh, eventually Jesus set him free. He was, he was so wild that he had to be chained up before he got free. Um, and then when he got free, he said, can I come with you? Now, we talk a lot today, Phil, about follow-up, you know. Someone got saved. Is anyone following them up? Now, if anyone needed to be followed up, wouldn't you agree it would be this man, this, this guy, man yeah. that had legion? Yeah. And he said, can I come with you to Jesus? We'd say, you better come with us. You know, you're going to need a lot of help and a lot of care. But Jesus said, no, go home and, and tell those in your oikos, in your immediate circle, what wonderful things the Lord has done mm-hmm. for you. How mm-hmm. incredible is that? It's quite different to how we might uh, think about it. But, of course, that was the ministry of Jesus. But what about the early church, Ken? Did the pattern of evangelism continue when he ascended and the church was actually born? Through the Oikos uh, principle? Yes, it did. For example, you, we know about Cornelius, how Peter was led to go to Cornelius and share the gospel with him. He had that vision, remember, of the blanket coming down from heaven yep. and so on. Sometimes we, we overlook some of the things that are mentioned in that passage. It says that Cornelius was waiting for them and he called together his relatives and close friends. That's his oikos. And when he got filled with the Spirit, when he believed and got filled with the Spirit, I, I think he prophesied or spoke in tongues. I, I forget what it was. But anyway, all those present with him also did the same thing. So there you see, again, it wasn't just one man getting impacted, but his immediate circle of influence. Mm. Uh, we see it with Lydia, you know, the first convert in Europe. The Bible says that Paul baptized her and her household. That's her oikos. We see it in the same chapter with the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and, and your, your household. household. Yeah. So it does seem to be consistent. It's quite different to how we think because we often think about evangelism and spreading the gospel as this far off thing you know, that we do with people that we don't know. Yeah. But the oikos principle is about people we do know. It's about our, our closest people. Friends, family, colleagues. So how does it actually translate to today? Well, I think that's a good question. I mean, you know, we often do talk about the event today, putting on the event of evangelism. So we have a big program or a big show, if you like, uh, to present Christ in that. I'm not knocking that. But here's some statistics that have stayed with me for many years. It's um, a breakdown of the number of people that came to Christ, you know, after a survey was conducted amongst, you know, a few thousand people, a few thousand Christians. Those that came into church or into uh, Christ through a special need, maybe they came for counseling or marriage breakup or mm-hmm. bereavement, yep. 1% to 2%. Wow. Those that just walked in, thought, you know, I'll go to church one day, and they just turned up at church, 2 to 3%. Those who came in through the pastor's contact, because the pastor moves amongst the community through the week, 5 to 6%. Those who came through house-to-house visitation, you know, knocking on doors and uh, introducing the gospel, 1 to 2%. Those who came in through children's church, 4 to 5%. Well, pretty low numbers, really, so low, Well, what about this one? Those that came in... Through an evangelistic crusade, the big event. That's got to be high. 0.5%. No way. No way. (laughs) Then those who came in through one of the church programs, like a craft group, a youth group, or something like that, 2 to 3%. Okay, here's the last one, the big one. Those who came in through a relative, an associate, or a friend, or in other words, through their oikos, 75 to 90%. Wow. 75 to 90%. The highest of the other groups was 5 to 6%. Yeah. Percent. Speaks for itself, doesn't it? It does. It really does. And it turns upside down what our thinking should be because often we, you know, I guess we have a passion for those people who are closely around us, but we often don't know how we can share the gospel with them. Yeah, you know, Phil, often when I share these statistics with people in a group, I'll often ask for a show of hands. How many people came through their oikos, through somebody that was close to them, 
friend, relative, neighbor, somebody mm-hmm. at work or so on. They yep. shared the gospel, brought you along to a meeting or something like that or, or introduced you to Christ. Usually it's about 70 or 80% people put their hands up. So it seems to be consistent. Why do you think it's so effective, though? Because obviously in the Gospels, in Jesus' ministry, it was hugely effective, and even today it's hugely effective. Why? I think there's a couple of reasons uh, that come to mind there, Phil. The first one is that um, nobody likes somebody just coming up to them cold, somebody you don't know, you know, you know who, who, who is this guy, you know? Is he from a cult? Is he from some weird religion? Who is he? You know, like all of a sudden he's got the Bible out, he's thumping the Bible, he's preaching verses at me. But when it's somebody you know and you see the difference that uh, has taken place in their life since they've come to Christ, you've seen the way that it's made a difference to their their lives and their circumstances, then straight away it's got your attention. So that's the first thing. But then the second thing is when you think about it, if somebody comes to Christ, I mean, salvation is only a first part of the the, the Great Commission. Jesus actually said to make disciples. Mm, right. Now, who best to be the disciple maker? than someone that is close to that person, someone who actually led them to Christ, somebody that they have a relationship with anyway, because they're going to have a lot of questions. What do I do now? What does this verse mean? Uh, How do Christians deal with this? And so on and so forth. And so when you think about it, they've already not only got um, somebody close to them that's led them to Christ, but they've got a disciple maker that they can trust, that they have a relationship with, that they can go to now with their questions and uh, lots of other stuff that's on their mind. I guess that feeds back into where we started with this conversation is that we need to go. We need to be building relationships with people, not necessarily just in our little circle of Christian friends, but out there in the wider community so that they become part of our oikos Yeah, and we can share the gospel with them. Yeah, I I like that phrase, Phil, that every day we go out, we're open for business. (laughs) Here I am, Lord, use me. Some practical help on sharing the gospel this week and we'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.